Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this morning's service here at Stevenson High Kirk. Uh, warm welcome if you're visiting for the first time. Just pray that you'll be relaxed and enjoy being in God's presence. And a warm welcome too to those listening at home. Uh, a few announcements this morning. Uh, First announcement is uh, congratulations uh, to Jessica and Greg Lee on the arrival of their daughter, Eve Jessica Lee, born on Friday. Uh, at eight pounds, 10 ounces, mother and baby both well. So congratulations, David, being a grandpa again. Uh, another wee point of prayer, uh, just for you, uh, David Wilson uh, had a fall on Friday, so he uh, needs a partial hip replacement, so if you could remember David in your prayers, that would be great. Um, and I'm sure the family would appreciate it too. Uh, usual meetings during the week, though a special reminder for Tuesday evening at 7pm, Kirk Session and meeting here in St. Monarch's Isle. And then Wednesday, the Rainbow Club, and then the Prayer Fellowship at 10.30. Discipleship group still on, 1pm in the hall, and the girls were grade in 6pm uh, in the hall. Thursday, 1.30, we've got the High Kirk Guild in the hall. And then on Friday, the prayer time at 7 in St. Monarch's Isle, and 7.30, the Revival Fellowship in the Mans. And as usual this morning, there'll be refreshments after the service, where you all are welcome to come and enjoy it. And I think that is everything, so I'll hand over to Scott. Well, thanks so much, Billy. Well, as we worship the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let us bless the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. Well, let's worship together as we sing in our opening hymn, There is a name I love to hear.
blessing and honor and glory and power, wisdom and riches and strength evermore. Give ye to him who our battle hath won, whose are the kingdom, the crown, and the throne. Well, let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. O our great and gracious and loving God, we thank you that there is a cross in human history, a cross on which your beloved Son died, our Saviour, the precious Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, we could never have made ourselves right with you. We would have been eternally ruined were it not for that cross. And so we thank you for the blood that was shed, the blood that cleanses from all sin. But oh, how we thank you that there is more than a cross. There is an empty tomb. And that on that third day, our crucified Saviour rose to life again, afterwards ascending into heaven and now exalted at your right hand, the one who is now upon that throne of grace, the mercy seat. And so, Lord, with the angels and with the spirits of the just made perfect and the whole church of Christ on earth, Oh, we want to worship this morning. You, our glorious God. And we desire to give praise to the Lamb who was slain, but who now lives to pour out his blessing upon those for whom he died. And so, Lord Jesus, oh, this day we would worship you from our hearts, not just our lips. And we pray that from heaven, your dwelling place, and from your almighty, gracious, heavenly throne, oh, that it would please you to bless and to pour such a blessing that we cannot even contain it. And so, Lord, flood our hearts. Flood this sanctuary with your eternal love, your eternal peace, your eternal joy. Lord, may we know the very gates of heaven in our worship this morning. Oh, carry us into the throne room where we may worship with the angels and all the saints who have gone before us. Oh, that we would be part of that great assembly this morning. And so, Lord, may heaven, heaven's praises ring, not just... Lord, in the heavenlies, but Lord, through the earth, oh, may all praise and glory be given to you this day and forevermore. And so, Lord, unite our hearts also as we share in the Lord's prayer, praying together, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our Bible reading this morning comes from the New Testament in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 to Exodus 6, 12, and you can find that on page 65 of the Pew Bible. Exodus 5, reading from verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh, because of my mighty hand he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. I will give give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country, out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Amen, and may God bless us. Read into his work today. And so as we come into Now, Exodus, God is going to raise up Moses of the family of Levi. Remember his his father, Amram, and Jochebed, his mother, when, when they were expecting their child, it was a time when Pharaoh had decreed that boys, baby boys would be killed. And so here's mum and dad. Moses is now born and they put him in this wicker basket or this, it's like an ark, a mini ark. And there he's sent down the Nile. And in the providence of God, this wee baby arrives by the river where Pharaoh's daughter happens to be bathing. And she sees this basket in amongst the reeds and she now brings up this child. She knows the background. She knows what's happening here. But oh, she, her heart just goes out to this baby and she protects this baby. And she provides for this baby. And then, of course, Moses' mother and sister are invited to bring up the child for Pharaoh's daughter. Now, after that, 
we don't hear anything more until he's 40 years of age. Exodus goes very quickly. When you go through the chapters of Exodus, it goes very quickly. So after 400 years, when you leave Genesis, now we go on 40 more years. And here's now Moses. He's brought up in the household of Pharaoh. He's a royal prince. But he's got a heart for his people. He knows his history. He knows his Hebrew background. And one day he sees an Egyptian striking one of the Hebrews. One of the Jewish people. And Moses is angered. And you know the story how that Egyptian is killed. And oh, it was sacrilege what Moses did. Well, to an Egyptian anyway. He just buried the body in the sand. He just buried the body. Now, in Egypt, you don't do that with any body. A body had to be embalmed. There were rituals that you had to go through. It was such a, 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 a sacrament for Egypt, seeing a body go through death because they believed in many, many gods. And so a body had to be prepared to meet their god or gods. But Moses just buried the body in the, in the sand, in the ground. And now he has to flee. And now the story goes on 40 years later again. <laughs> and this is where we now come to Moses. And we often forget that. He's 80 years old. He's a shepherd. He's now been in Midian. He's now married Zipporah, his wife, and his father Jethro there, and he's tending the sheep. And then, of course, Moses comes to the bush there on that hillside. That ordinary acacia bush. And Moses probably didn't think anything at the time, because often in that dry land, bushes could catch fire quite easily. And here's Moses now, as he gets caught up, because this bush... Yes, it's caught fire, but there's something happening. It's as if the fire isn't going out. It's as if the bush is still burning. And so Moses now comes to this bush and he realizes that this is holy ground. This is no ordinary bush. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob who's now indwelling a bush. There was nothing great about the bush. What was great about the bush was God in the bush. In that bush, God speaks to Moses. And we're told that God tells Moses, I have remembered my covenant. I've remembered my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, a covenant, especially in the Old Testament, when we consider the covenants made in the Old Testament, these were formal bonds that were made between two people, or could be between clans or tribes, or could be between nations. And a covenant was the outward symbol of what was going on in the relationship. And so that's why we refer to the marriage covenant. 
A marriage, when someone gets married here at the High Kirk, it's a reminder that they already love one another. It's not that on the day they now fall in love and now they love one another and now they're married. No. The covenant of marriage, it's a bond. It's, it's, a, it's an agreement where now they want to express to the world that they have, they have this love and they have this real relationship. And so it's a public announcement. It's a declaration. And here, the covenant that God made with his people, it was a public pledge declaring how he loves his people, how he desires to bless his people, how he desires to bring them into that promised land too, so that he may dwell with them. This covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the covenant was really just a structure in order for their love to grow and develop. A covenant isn't something that restricts. It's something that sets free. When God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, when he makes that covenant with his people, he was bringing a structure that would set their hearts free to love the Lord. And God tells Moses I've remembered my covenant. I remember my love. I remember as I spoke with Abram, Isaac and Jacob. I remember you. 400 years, remember, have passed. The people of Israel now in Egypt were convinced that God had forgotten about them. They were now enslaved they had nothing and each day they were oppressed they were brought deeper and deeper into bondage and after each day they would have just felt so empty and now the people get to a place where they just cry Lord I've had it it's just this has been an awful time have you prayed like that? Have you come to a place where you just can't say anything but cry? Well, God said, I haven't just remembered my covenant, my covenant of love. I've also heard their cries. I've heard my people's tears. I've seen their tears and I, I hear their hearts and they're crying and I care. And that's what Moses is amazed at. That God does care. He is the compassionate God. He is the long-suffering God. He's the patient God who loves his people. And God tells Moses, Moses, I care. I really care. And today, there may be a heart here. Maybe you're feeling flat Maybe you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you feel that your life is a bit out of control. You can't seem to control anything that's happening around you. Can I encourage you this morning? God really cares. The Lord Jesus, he knows. And he does care. He really does. And I love how now, as we come into Exodus chapter 6, 
Notice the I wills of God. This is, this is lovely. Here's God. He hears now their cries. God hears your heart. He sees your tears. And he responds instantly. And he tells Moses, I care. I care about their burdens. I care what they're going through. And then God responds, because I care, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. God cares about the burdens that we carry. What are burdens? Well, burdens are the cares, the fears, the problems that we face each day. These are the burdens, the heavy weights that we carry. Today, have you a burden on your heart and mind? Maybe ill health. Maybe there's a struggle in your life and you're fearful. Maybe there's a regret about the past. A disappointment about your present. And maybe a sense of hopelessness about your future. And we carry these weights. Sometimes you know the phrase that we carry the weight of the world upon our shoulders. That's a burden. That's the burden. When we carry these burdens. And God says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I do care about the burdens that you carry. I do care about what you're going through right now. God knows about these hurting times, the seasons of discouragement. God knows. He knows the pain. He knows the extra labor that these, that these Jewish people were carrying. Remember now, as Moses had asked Pharaoh to let his people go, we're told now that the, the Jewish people faced even heavier burdens. They were told to work harder. They were given less straw to work with, to make bricks. But they were told, we want more bricks, but you're going to get less straw. And oh, it was as if now, even their work, even every day was a toil. It was just a heavy, oh, it was a heavy existence. They were getting no extra pay for, for more work that they were doing. Have you heard that before? Do you know there are many in, in today's society where they work longer and harder, but they're getting less pay <laughs> or they're not getting much more, while others are getting richer and richer and richer for doing less and less and less. This is what the Hebrews were facing. Here they were working hard, working long hours, and oh, they just felt like giving up. And God tells Moses, I care. I care about the burdens that you're carrying. And then in verse 6 again, God reminds his people, he said, and I care about the bondage that you're in. I care when you feel ensnared and as if you can't get out of your, the situations that you're in. I care about your bondage. And how does God respond? Because he cares, he now comes to the next, I will. He says, I will rid you of your bondage. I really do care. 
Now, there's a difference between burdens and bondages. As I mentioned, burdens are those concerns, those cares, those fears. But bondage is, when the Bible describes bondage here, it's where you are being controlled, where there's outer forces that are controlling your life, where you seem to be out of control, where you feel as if you can't do what you want to do. You're in bondage. You're snared. And today there are many who know what it is to be in bondage, whether it's to drugs or to alcohol or to pornography or to hoarding. We often see on TV about those who, who can't help but just hoard and boy, do they, they struggle to get rid of things that have been in plastic bags for years. I think, what's that program, The Hoarders or something? And sometimes you come away thinking, oh, how could you live like that? But many are in bondage. Some are in bondage to a temper. They have a short temper. They're, they're in bondage to bitterness and unforgiveness. There are people who are in bondage to eating disorders. There are people who are in bondage to all sorts of things. And maybe today we don't regard ourselves as being in bondage to anything. But I wonder, are there things that control you? Some people are in bondage to what people think of them. They care more about what others think than what God thinks. And we can be in bondage to other people. We always want to put on a, a bright face for everyone because we don't want anyone thinking ill of us. We can be in bondage to fear. Where we feel that, Lord, can I, will I ever be useful to you? And here God reminds his people, I care I really care about your burdens and I care about your bondage for I am going to rid you of that bondage. These things that enslave you. And God goes on to say and I care about your freedom. I will redeem you. I'm going to set you free. That's God's promise to his people. He remembers his covenant. He remembers his promises. God now comes to his people. Oh, I want to bless you. And you are coming into the promised land. I have an inheritance for you. And you are coming in. You are going to again experience a land flowing with milk and honey. And I will redeem you. I will set you free. And I do care about you and your freedom. I want you free. We're told that in John chapter 8, verse 32, remember what the Lord said? If you abide in my word, the truth will set you free. Today, is your heart set free? Have you been set free? Has Christ come to your heart? Has he redeemed you? We're told that as we abide in his word, the truth will set us free. Again, John then goes on to say, and if the Son sets you free, 
Jesus came to this world to set us free from our sins, from our bondages, from our burdens. Jesus came because he cares. He cares about you and me. He died for us. He loves his church. He loves his people. He loves you and me. He cares about our freedom and whom the Son sets free. We're told, oh, they're free indeed. And even Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, he reminds them, and see where the Spirit is. See when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. See when the Holy Spirit fills a church, fills your heart, fills your worship, fills your praise, fills your joy. When the Holy Spirit comes, there is freedom. That's what Paul says. God cares about our freedom. He says, I will redeem you. How is he going to redeem his people? How is he going to set us free? How does the Son set us free? Well, we're told that the Passover lamb would be slain. God's people would be set free because of a lamb. A lamb that would be slain and the blood of that lamb would be sprinkled on the doors of their homes. And then we're told that the death angel, when the death angel passes through Egypt, that that, that angel of death will pass over the homes where the blood of the lamb is. Isn't that amazing? And so all these Hebrew families, these Jewish families now, as they slay a lamb and they sprinkle the blood, they're going to be set free because of the lamb. And here Peter picks up this in, in his letter. How we are set free, how we will be redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus. The precious blood of the lamb. That's how we're set free. Jesus came to Calvary as the precious Lamb of God, slain for you and for me. Jesus died to set you free so that when we face the judgment seat, when we enter through the gates of heaven, we're going to be told, you're free. You're free indeed. And in that freedom, we will enter into the dwelling place of God. We will be with him forever and ever, free to be with him. And Jesus sets us free. Because of what Jesus did on the cross is what guarantees our freedom with God. It's not your works. It's not you trying to be good. It's not you going to church, doing all the things that you can do, giving to charity. That is not what will set you free. Yes, we ought to be coming to church. We ought to be praying. We ought to be reading our Bibles. We ought to be giving to others and being a blessing. These are all things, yes, and we would commend them. But that's not what sets a heart free. What sets us free is the Lamb is the Lamb of God. Do you remember when the worshippers would come to the high priest there in, in the Old Testament? You know, the people of God would bring a lamb 
And you know what the lamb, uh, what the priest would do then? He would take the lamb and he would inspect the lamb. You know, we often think that when we come to worship God with our our sacrifices, with our offerings, we think that God, he doesn't take our offerings. We think that he takes a hold of us to inspect us. God doesn't inspect the offerer. He inspects the offering that we bring. And so when we come to church, when we come into the presence of God in our quiet times, God doesn't inspect you and say, oh, I'm sorry, you're not good enough today to come into my presence. You're not good enough, no. What God is interested in is, what are you bringing? When we come into the presence of God, he's asking, have you brought a lamb? Have you the Lord Jesus in your heart? Have you, have you taken a hold of Christ? Have you got Jesus in your life? The precious lamb. And when God sees Christ in your life, he inspects the lamb. And do you know what the Bible tells us about Jesus, the precious lamb of God? We're told that he's spotless. He's blameless. He's without sin. He's the perfect lamb of God. And God takes that lamb and he says, Oh, you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are loved. You are redeemed. Because of this lamb and because of Jesus, the spotless, risen lamb, who now sits at the right hand of the Father, right now the lamb of God is upon his throne and we worship him this morning and he's the spotless lamb of God. And when we put our trust in him, when we come into a relationship with Christ, we're set free and we're free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And God says, And because I care about your freedom. Yes, I've sent my son for you. But oh, I care about our relationship. Notice the next I will. I will take you to me for a people. God promises. I know what you're going through. I know you're hurting. I know you feel distant. I know that you've known bondages and burdens in your life. But God says, oh, I care about our relationship. I will take you to myself. You are my people. I care for you. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He does love you. And then he says, and I care about your future. Verse 8, and we'll close with this. God says, and yes, I care about your future. I will bring you into the land. God had made a promise with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a covenant long time ago, saying, I'm bringing you into a land. I'm going to bring you into a place, Eden. I'm going to bring you into an Eden where I will make my dwelling with you. And Peter tells us that there is a heritage guaranteed, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God cares about your future. He has an inheritance waiting for us. 
that heritage of the gospel. And it's incorruptible and it doesn't fade away. One day we're coming into that land that is going to be flowing with milk and honey. We're coming into the dwelling place of God. That's the goal. That's the future for all the Lord's people. One day we're going to heaven. Isn't that good news? God promises all who put, his, who put their trust in him, he will take them home to be with him. Jesus said, I prepare a place for you. And if it weren't through, I wouldn't have told you. I am preparing a place. And I will bring you into that land. What a promise. Today, can I encourage you to bow your hearts and your heads as, as you pray? And it may be that today you're, you're, you've, you just can't say much apart from cry. Maybe you're going through something that no one knows about and your heart's just heavy. Can I encourage you in this moment just to pray and that we will come before the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Oh, that you will come to him. And that, oh, that he would set you free. That you would know his joy, his peace. Oh, that you would know his love. And that you can leave here skipping and dancing again. He cares for me, I know. This storm that I'm facing, this trial I'm going through. Oh, Lord, I'm willing to go with you. Let me journey into freedom. Is that your prayer? Lord, set me free. I want to go with you today. Then let's pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you today for your presence here with us. Lord, you care about our burdens. You care about our bondage. You care about our freedom. You care about our relationships. You care about our future. Lord, you care about each one of us. And therefore, Lord, because we know that you are the God who cares. Father, you care. You really do. Jesus, you really do love us, I know. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We thank you that you carry our burdens. You take our worries and our fears and our concerns you carry them to the throne of grace and so father son and holy spirit we now cast all our cares upon you we cast all our sins all our worries all our fears lord we lord we just place upon you all that we are and Lord, will you now fulfill your promise? Oh, set us free. Set us free to love you, to walk with you, to live for you, and to bring glory to your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, can we sing in our closing hymn? Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land.
So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.